Hey, it's good to see everybody here. Uh, I'm just going to give you kind of the inner workings of, of just kind of the secret life of a pastor real quick. Um, there's a few weekends uh, every year that you are just not real sure how many people are going to show up. Um, one of those weekends is uh, this weekend because of all the spring break and because of how nice the weather has turned um, going from um, you know just all the snow to now where it's mid 50s and mid 60s and it's just so nice um, there is always this hidden fear that no one will come and so I just want to say thank you it's so good to see everybody here this morning um, we actually were talking uh, at the prayer time before uh, church last night and we were just like um, you know, this could be one of those weekends, but it's not. It's one of those weekends where a lot of people come, and so it's just so good to have you. We are just so glad that you're here. I want to thank Mark Marble, um, who is one of our very own uh, that shared last weekend. I don't know about you, but he, he has a teaching gift. Uh, I, I learned so much from him. Um, and just the unique way that he presented it was, was just so life-giving. And then the interaction part that you guys participated and jumped into, um, it was just, uh, just an incredible blessing. So I want to thank him. Um, and I just want to remind you, one of the things that we're trying to do as a church is come alongside of you um, and pull out that gifting in you. And so Mark obviously has a teaching gift. Um, we're praying through and ask that you would join us in praying. How do we do this for other people? Because I think what happens is when, um, when we are used by God and in our gifting, we get to see Jesus in a completely different way. And that's always a good thing, to be able to see Jesus in other people and to see how uh, he manifests in their life and the giftings that come out, that is always a good thing. And so if you have something stirring in your heart that maybe we can uh, join you with, please let us know. Or if you know somebody in this church that you're like, oh my gosh, this person is really gifted in this particular area, uh, I, let us know because that's, that's what this whole thing is about, is that we would come together, join together, and uh, we would actually be the functioning, working body of Christ. And as I read the Bible, my understanding is that each part has to be doing its, its part, yes? Um, and, in, and if we're not doing that, then um, we're not a complete body. Um, we we kind of look like weird bodies without legs and arms and you know, but when everybody's in function, it it works together in just a really um, a godly way. Yes, and so uh, thanks again to Mark Marble for just being willing to do that. I know uh, it was a little nerve wracking, but he did a, an incredible job. Hey, just want to remind everybody, and I know some of you are new this morning. I see some new faces. Um, if you are new, sit back and enjoy what God has for you. Uh, we do things a little bit different here at Shine. Um, we have some interaction, and we actually ask questions, and uh, we want to pull out um, the wisdom and the depth that you have in you. And um, what we're seeing is that um, this church, uh, you guys are incredibly wise. And the Holy Spirit speaks to each one of you. You know, I, I think that we make a mistake when we think that a pastor or somebody on the platform has a, a, a more of anointing than anybody else in the church. That's wrong. That's just wrong. We all have the same Holy Spirit. When you ask Jesus in your heart, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm just gonna quickly ask you, how much of the Holy Spirit did you get? All of him. So if you receive all of him, you are just... Um, just as much able to hear from God than any pastor at any church. And so what we have been doing is we've been mixing things up a little bit um, in the last couple months, and I just want everybody to know um, we 
we are just navigating through this. We are asking the Lord to lead us in this. Would you please continue to pray for us? First off, I want to thank everybody who's been participating in this. It's been, uh, it's been an interesting experiment, and we've been having a lot of fun. Uh, but what we have been realizing is that uh, we're learning something new each and every weekend on how to navigate and how to, to go through this. Now, in the middle of this, I want to say that some of you have expressed to me, Pastor Peter is one of, one of the chief uh, people in this camp, but he's like, I love what we're doing. This is the best thing ever. Uh, am I speaking out of line? No, I don't get He's like, I can't wait to go to church, and it's just so much fun. On the flip side, I realize that some people, because we've broken out of tradition, and we are doing, we're passing the mic, and we're having a lot of interaction, we're letting other people speak, I understand that that's a stretch for others. I want you to know we're, we're processing, we're wrestling through, and right now, we feel like this is what God has for us, and it's a season that we just want to feel, we want to be led by the Lord. I, I get this picture whenever I think about this. The Israelites were led by God um, in the desert, a cloud by the day and fire by the night, okay? And you read the story, they, they, there was probably two million or so. I, I know it's listed there's a, there's a million men. So if you add women and children, we're probably talking two, two and a half million people that were ready to go at a moment's notice. And when that fire moved, they packed up all their stuff, they gathered it all, they lined up in, in tribal order, and they followed the cloud or the fire. They kept going, and when it stopped, they waited to see if it really stopped. Okay, it did. They set everything back up. It could happen the next day, or it might be a week, or it could be a month or a year before God moved again. Here's my point. We feel like this is what the Lord is leading us right now, but we are praying, and would you join us, that we would move when God moves. We don't want to be, uh, become sacred in any one thing that we've done, but we wanna be and lift up God as holy and follow him in what he's doing. And so here's where you come in to this. We want you to help us out with this, and that means that if you have any ideas or thoughts or maybe ways we can make interaction different, the reason we're doing that is to help equip and train you guys. So if there's thoughts that come to mind in regards to how we can equip and train you to a greater extent, please let us know because we are open to other ideas. So much so that because next weekend is the Seder, instead of sending a text out with a scripture this week, I'm gonna send out a text that will have a link to a quick little survey. And we want you to prayerfully consider the questions in that. And what we're doing is we're asking for your input and your, uh, your insight and what you have been experiencing in the middle of this. And maybe God will give you some wisdom to share with us that we can bring into our weekend service. Because church, I want you to know this weekend service is all about each one of us as the body of Christ coming and contributing to one another. I think the church has missed it in regards to a lot of churches. It's about coming in and receiving whatever I can get and then walking out. We believe that this is not only about receiving, but it is also giving to one another. And there's great wisdom in this room right here. And so please prayerfully consider uh, filling that out for us because we just, we want to continue to move forward in a very collaborative way towards um, what God has for you for you and us. So uh, this week, we're gonna jump in and 
A couple weeks ago, I was just reading in my personal devotion, and I came across uh, Jesus, the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And I brought it to the teaching team, and I said, I think uh, I wanna, the next time I teach, I want to teach on this. And there was so much life and energy to this conversation that we actually decided, hey, we, we probably need to take a week or two on this so, um, so that we're not trying to put too much information in. I, you know, another thing that I want to say is we really are trying to keep the services right at about an hour and 20, an hour and 30, but then... God starts to move, and I just want you to know, uh, we, we do want to value your time and be respectful of that, especially our kids' workers and their time. Uh, we don't want to burn them out in the middle of that, but if the Holy Spirit starts to move, we don't want to just say, oh, sorry, God, it's, it's an hour and 20 minutes, so we're going to cut it off, and I hope you understand that, and I hope you like that, um, and yet I do understand the value of time, so pray for the balance of, of us navigating through that um, in the middle of all of this. But we started talking as a teaching team, and we realized, okay, this, this, this has a lot of depth in it, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to read this story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, and here's what I want you to do. I, I'm going to ask you to read it today twice, and I want you to filter it through maybe something different than you have in the past. I think when it comes to this story, many times we separate ourselves from it. It's a good story that happened a long time ago, over 2,000 years ago, with Jesus and his disciples, and we kind of remove ourselves from the story. And what I want you to do this morning is I want, to, I want you to put yourselves into this story. And I want you to, uh, again, try to grab a hold of what God is speaking to us, each one of us, in light of him washing the disciples' feet. In the teaching team, uh, it was very interesting to me because um, there's four of us that regularly are at the part of that meeting, and there was probably four different understandings that came out, and what was fun about it is um, they really kind of capsulated our pillars of engaging with God, identifying who we are, empowering ourselves in the gifting, and multiplying into um, what he has for us. And so here's what I want to do. I want to read it through the first two pillars um, this morning. And I'm going to switch the first and go identify first and then engage. Um, but this first time, here's what I want you to do. As I read through this, would you listen to any thoughts, any words that jump off the screen or the page? If you want to follow along in the U version, you can go to the Bible app. The three little lines on the bottom right, click on that. You'll see events. You'll find Shine Church. You can follow along. Um, but whatever words jump out to you, um, we're going to have a moment here when I get done reading where I'd like you to share um, what you feel like the Holy Spirit spoke to you in regards to this. How does this story speak to your identity? How does this story speak to how God sees you? Okay, so that's the filter I want you to think of as we read through this. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now and we ask that you would just speak to us through your word. We ask that you would uh, help us to understand what it was that you were trying to teach the disciples, but not only the disciples, but each one of us in this room. God, help us to see our identity. Help us to see how you see us. Help us to pull out um, your revelation and the inspiration that comes from your Holy Spirit in light of um, how you view us and how you picture each and every one of us. And so, Lord, give us encouragement. Edify our hearts and our minds and our souls as we read through this scripture. We pray these things in your name. Amen. 
We're going to pick up the story in the book of John, chapter 13. And it says this. It was just before Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter. <laughs> okay, just, I'm going to stop for a second. Just put yourself in Peter's shoes right, right now. Just picture the, the one that you just, earlier on, you just called Messiah. Jesus asked the disciples, who do the people say I am? They gave them different answers. Jesus said, who do you say I am? Peter said, you are the Messiah. That's this guy. And Jesus comes to wash his feet. And, and Peter questions Jesus and, and says, you're gonna wash my feet? And Jesus said, you don't, you don't know what I'm doing, but you'll get it, you'll get it later, right? There's so many things like Peter, right? You'll, you'll get it later. Um, anybody relate to Peter? Peter, you don't have to raise your hand, but um, you'll, you'll get it later. Um, and he goes, no. No, you're not going to wash my feet. No, said Peter. You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. I want you to witness how quickly Peter changes his tune. He goes from no, you will never, to all right, all right. Then, then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you as an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Okay. Here's the question. As I read through that story, how does this speak to your identity? What jumps off of the pages of the word of God when it comes to who you are in Christ, how he sees you? Why am I asking this question? Because I believe that if you can answer this question, it gives you a confidence and a boldness to walk out in the things that he's placed in you to do. If you don't understand this question, if you can't answer this question, then the enemy can hinder you and can make you question who you are in him. Yes? And so it's really important to be able to answer this. Why do we pass the mic? Because I believe it equips and it trains you to begin to see that you do hear from God. And you do hear from his spirit. 
And so what thoughts came to mind as I was reading that? As you ponder that for just a minute, and I'm gonna ask for you to raise hands in just a minute. One of the things that jumped out to me for right away was that um, in the verse two verses, it was just before Passover festival, Jesus knew the hour that had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. One of the things that jumped out to me is that in regards to my identity, I am loved. I am loved. Um, and I understand I'm God's favorite, but you're loved too. And I hope you guys realize you're God's favorite too. Um, but in the middle or the start of this whole thing, um, and you have to real, realize this, God loves you. Each one of us, he loves deeply for. He's not an angry God. He's not out as, as um, in, in Bruce Almighty, uh, James Carey, smite me all, mighty smiter, right? He's, a lot of times people in the world have that perception of God. That's not who God is. God is a loving father. He loves you and I. And that's important to, to grab a hold of in regards to your identity. Something else. Who's got something that came to mind in regards to your identity when it comes to Jesus washing the feet of his disciples? And please state your name. Hey, real quick, actually, before you start, uh, just a reminder, real quick, if you uh, are a little um, uh, intimidated by this, you can always text us. I'm, I'm watching the, the text line up here, too, so if you want to interact, um, I can see what you write there. And then, and remember the rules of engagement that we have. Listen, listen well. Understand that um, good questions, if somebody prompts something. Um, here's what I love about what, what the Holy Spirit has done in these services is that when somebody brings something up, if you ask a question about that, it can change what the Holy Spirit is doing in all of us and has been very, very meaningful um, to our services in the midst of that. I think many of you have seen that. Uh, speak for yourself. Don't speak for other people, just for you and how you feel. And remember, in the middle of this, don't take any offense. We're, we're learning together. We are learning together, and so sometimes um, the enemy would love to make you upset or about something. I would say this. If somebody says something that you don't agree with, raise your hand and say, I don't know if I agree with that, and share why. Um, and so there's, there's that give and take in that. So also, when you grab the mic, please state your name so that everybody knows who you are. Mulaney. Um, <laughs> and I I uh, was reading the part that you said, Dan, um, where he said that he loved them to the very end. Another version says, love them to the full extent of his love, mm. um, which just reemphasizes what you said, that he loves us completely, fully. He couldn't do anything more to show us or tell us that. And immediately following that it talks about Judas and when I was reading through this this morning um, God just re-emphasized that to me that he loved every one of those 12 so much even the one he knew was going to betray him so how does that reflect in my life do I love those that I know really don't care that much about me or, you know, be that what it is in, in each of our lives. But if you feel, you know, abused or not, not wanted or not cared for or whatever it is, somebody that really is not on the same page with you, do we still reflect Jesus' love to them? 
That's so good. That is so good. And I'm going to talk about that because the second second time I read through this, I want to talk about the engaging with God and one another. And I think you you speak right to that. Absolutely. Um, Can anybody else struggle with the fact that Jesus washed the man's feet who he knew was going to betray him? I mean, that's that's a bold statement. And then he says a little bit later, do as I have done. And just let that stir around a little bit. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, I'm Alex. Um, I was thinking about the, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Mm. And, of course, as Peter said, okay, wash everything, right? <laughs> Bathe me. And and that's just not a one-time washing. So just thinking, if I, if, if I want to have a part in Jesus, I have to let him wash me every day. And not just, I'm saved and... And that, so I need to be cleaned. I need to be saturated, bathed in His truth and in His presence every single day. How does that speak to identity in your mind? Yeah, just if if I want to take on the aspects and have Christ in me, Holy Spirit in me, and to be one with Him, I need to to do that. That's just it makes up everything who I am. I love it. Okay, um, let's let's go here for a minute. Um, how many of you would rather serve somebody than be served? Let me ask it in a different question. At Christmas time, would you rather give a gift or receive a gift? I'd rather give a gift, yes. If you're a kid, would you rather give a gift or receive the gift? <laughs> We're all laughing because we know our kids are like, ah, they can't sleep all night. They wake us up at five o'clock in the morning. Can we go? Can we go? No, I said not till seven. Ah, you know, I, they, they, they want to receive, but there's something that transitions from uh, out of childhood into maturity, where all of a sudden we have a hard time receiving service. Yes? I was reading an article in my study this week, and here's uh, basically the context of, of uh, in regards to this section that you brought up, Alex, and that is this. Um, if we don't embrace the fact that God wanted to serve us, we won't or we'll have a hard time embracing other people serving us. And if we don't receive what God wants to do and and help us to understand as our identity of being one that God would want to serve, then what Jesus told Peter is you have no part in me. This is an incredibly tough word. And I hope that you receive it without any guilt or condemnation, but I would submit this. Peter even though he was like, no way, are you gonna wash my feet? The second that Jesus said, you will have no part in me, he changed his tune and said, then wash it all. Because I want you, I want all of you. Where are you today? Are you in a place where you're saying, I want all of you, God? And could it be that a part of taking all of God in is you have to go, Jesus I'm okay with you serving me. Why don't we, I'm going to transition a little bit, but why don't we like to be served? Raise your hand. I'm going to just say your name. Tony, I think a lot of times you feel guilty that you're not worthy. And so you want to sit back and just watch everything 
and then you have good intentions, but you don't want to be served because you feel that you're not serving, and so you feel guilty. You feel guilty, or I love what you said, you don't feel worthy of it. Um, hey, guess what? Not a single one of us in this room on your own merit is worthy. But what we learn from the Word of God is that every single one of us is worthy because of what Jesus did for us. Melanie again. <laughs> um, I think it's because... I feel vulnerable to what that person is doing. Okay. I feel absolutely, yeah, that's good. Open up. Ben. Hey, this is Ben. Um, I was just thinking about the washing of the feet. Um, you said, you mentioned kids like to receive, uh, and I, f I feel like maybe the message here is that, you know, we need to be like children in order to come to the kingdom of God. We need to put that pride away that says, no, I don't, I don't deserve to have my Lord wash my feet, right? Like that's, that's, he's too holy and no, we need to be like children taken care yep. of by the Lord. He, we belong to him like children belong, belong to parents yep. and that's how we can come to him and come to the kingdom. I, I love it. I, and remember church, I, I know I talked this a few months ago, but remember uh, Jesus himself said a couple different times in scripture, unless you approach the throne of God like little ch children, you will not inherit. You will not. So this is important because uh, over and over we start to see the scripture of or this understanding that, you know what, kids don't mind being, ha has your kid ever told you stop serving me? <laughs> has your kid ever told you that? And yet how many times do we tell other people and even God himself, nope, I got it. Um, we, we need to receive this as a little kid. And sometimes in our maturity, it hinders us from receiving um, that service. Hi, I'm Claudia. Um, I think one thing that happens too is like we don't see that model well. Like I, I have yet to see somebody in power and authority, quote unquote, lowering themselves to do something like that. So we just don't know. It just doesn't feel right. Even as you're speaking that, I want to crawl down here and just sit down. I, because I hope, I, I totally agree with you. I think that hasn't been modeled well. And there's just, and I get it because society is, you get yours, right? And you do whatever it takes to get that. And you stomp on and you crush whoever you want. But the kingdom of God is a paradoxical kingdom. It's, it's an upside down kingdom. And it, what's really interesting about this section of scripture right here is that, um, it, depending, and it says in the middle of the, the feast that Jesus got up and did this, some translations say that it was at the end of the feast. Either way, it was someone after they had started eating and all of that. On the way in, if you read in Luke the account right before this, the disciples are actually having an argument of who is greater than the other. And Jesus answers them and gives them an answer that, you know, is like, uh, if you want to be great, serve. If you, you know, and so we just don't see that in this world. Church, what if we could be a church of people that actually serve one another? In, in Ephesians, where it talks right before marriage, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So whether it's tied into what is up before it or tied into marriage, which I think it's both, um, that word submit means this, voluntarily place yourself under. We'll talk more about that when it comes to engaging with God and one another, but keep that in mind. I think we need good role models of this, and maybe you are the role model for somebody in this to do this. I, that article that I read basically said this. 
It's super easy to serve other people. But if you really, really want humility in your life, then you need to let others serve you. Because you, you can't really let somebody else serve you without that vulnerability and without the humility to say, I'll let you do it. I won't do it. I'll let you do it. There's something in a human's pride that really, really struggles with that. And I think pride is a huge hindrance to us actually receiving the service that people want to give us, but more important, the service that Jesus wants to give to us. Don't separate yourself from this story. Don't go, that was 2,000 years ago, and this is what Jesus did for those 12 men. No, Jesus did that, and it's recorded so that you and I would understand this is the same Lord that serves us. Do not separate yourself from it. Understand, God wants to serve each, each and every one of us. Yeah, I, th- I think you hit it right on the head. It's, it's, it's solely pride. Um, it's, it, when you say if, if, if you're going to accept service from somebody, it means you're not sufficient, that you're weak. Mm. You know, and I'll never forget a thing I saw on Facebook one time. They were doing an experiment, but uh, this homeless guy was, people would walk by and he'd say, hey, I'd like to give you $2. The homeless guy would give the people $2. And most people would say, uh, oh, no, you know, that's okay. You know, I, I think you really need it more than I do. And they'd be kind to him and everything. But this one guy walked by and he said, here, I'd like to give you $2. And he goes, I mean, do you see the clothes I'm wearing? Do you see the car I just drove up in? Do you know how much money I make a year? And, and you think I need your little $2? And, and that was taking it to the extreme. But that guy was so full of pride mm. that he literally got angry at somebody wanting to give to him. And I think that's what it is. Pride is just the, it's the most hideous thing. And that's what the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had with pride. And that's what Jesus had when he, when he came down on people. It was usually because of their pride. That's good. That's really good. I'm Lindsay. Um, I think of several examples, but the thing that comes to my mind is like the word rejection, because I know that um, if I were to want to do something kind to for Wes or for one of our kids and and serve them in some way, and they kept me at arm's length and they said no, I would feel like but I want to, like, I'm doing this because I love you and I want to serve you. And they're just like, no, (laughs) I'm too good for that. Or whatever is going on in their life Mm. that they've decided that, um, that they don't need it or want it. And so I know that like, for me, this speaks to my identity of like, I don't, I don't want to reject the Lord. I don't want to reject. So if he is asking or he's wanting to serve me, I want to receive that because yeah. I know it. he's literally doing it because of his love, That's like so what you said at the beginning. That's so good. Mm. I hope that's the heart cry of everybody in here, that we don't want to reject here and then we'll go here. Yeah, cool. All right, my name is Justin. Um, I think one of the reasons why I don't receive from other people at certain times is because uh, I'm selfish and I look at what's going on in them serving me or trying to tell me something or 
encourage me or rebuke me or whatever. I mean, whether they're washing my feet or doing something else, uh, I'm, I'm approaching that situation from my perspective and not thinking about what's going on in their heart and what does the Lord ask them to do. And when we think about this, um, Jesus' interaction with the Father, right? It started off this chapter. It says Jesus knew that the hour had come. How did he know? Well, the Father told him. And then later on, it said, Jesus, no, why, why is verse 3 in there? Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, he gave him authority over everything, and that he had come forth from God, and he was going back to God. That was his baseline. I am the Lord's, I am my Father's. And then it says he got up, took his clothes off, took a towel, wrapped him mm. around himself, and he got down on his knees, and he started mm -hmm. to serve. So, like, Jesus knew that he was going to the cross, and the Father was preparing him for that. And, and all Peter could see was this interaction between him and Jesus. And he couldn't see beyond that, Jesus, what is, what's the Father doing in your heart right now? And so, like, I don't know if Neil's in the room here, but we had a, we had a situation two weekends ago where, you know, Neil's a, a rock star with the Lord, right? He's just got this, this great walk with the Lord. He's mature. He hears from God. Um, and, and there's this, there was this weaker, um, brother, I'll say a, a guy that's uh, younger in his faith and that the Lord just hammered him. And this guy came to me and said, man, I've got something for Neil. I want to tell him, I think we need to approach this. We need to pray about this. And, uh, and I didn't warn Neil and, and just watching Neil as this guy came and look, this guy, I mean, he, he, he didn't get it right. You know, he wasn't spot on, but Neil saw past. And it was a hard message. It was, it was, this guy was coming to Neil and saying, hey, I think you're wrong in this, mm. and you need to deal with this, and this is what I think. And he was a little right, but, you know, not, not totally. And Neil just received. He just received. And you could tell, you could look at Neil's face, and it had nothing to do with, like, this confrontational message this guy was bringing to Neil. Neil was watching this guy that he barely knew, and he could see that, that this was like a practice round for this guy. The Lord was saying, hey, speak out in faith. Take courage. Do this. And Neil was able to receive. And so I think, anyways, I'll stop there. I think that that's uh, one of the reasons why I don't receive from my kids, from my wife, from, from other people that are coming in is because I don't, I don't see the whole story. And all I think about is, well, how does this make me feel? How, how vulnerable am I going to be? Or how uncomfortable does this make me? It's good, man. That's so good. Can we go over here? Yep. My name is Melanie. Um, the first time that I was aware I heard from the Lord, what I heard was, you have the sin of pride of self-sufficiency. And um, <laughs> that was pretty shocking to me. But my pride fell into, I was so capable of helping other people. But what the Lord showed me was that I wasn't, allowing other people, I wasn't allowing him to bless other people by blessing me because mm. I wanted the world to think that I could do it all and I didn't have any needs. Yeah, that's so, so good. I think sometimes we rob people of their blessing when we don't let them serve us, which is, uh, I mean, if I told you you were stealing away from somebody, would you be excited about that? Probably not. And yet we do that all the time when we don't allow others to serve us. And especially when we don't let God serve us. Oh, I'm going to take this in a little bit, 
of a different direction. This is Rose, by the way. Oh, hi, I'm Rose. <laughs> um, so when I read this, the words that jumped out for me were cleansed. And um, so I feel as though the Lord is trying to tell me that I am worthy and Good. that I am forgiven. Good. And that we are to forgive others. Okay. And there is so much freedom and in that. And um, I'm not sure if that's right or wrong. But no, I'm that's sure. good. But you're worthy and you're forgiven. And then you pass that on, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Love that. Um, I'm Elena, before I forget. Um, I, when you were saying about um, who in our, in our lives do we see as a servant who constantly tries to model what God did in this verse. And as you were reading it, I constantly thought of my mom and she's going to hate this. <laughs> um, but she, I knew, I knew this my whole life and she's still like this and I absolutely love it. She's, she has a certain servant heart and she, in, in every single way possible, including for all of my siblings, I'm the oldest of four. Um, she gave her life all of everything to all four of us and she, she I'm going to get emotional <laughs> um she she is my model in this kind of way she and whenever she is a, is a servant to four of us or to my dad um or to you know hosting Christmas dinner or anything like that um I see Jesus through her and so it's I, I guess I got really lucky and having someone so close to me model this and I definitely have a problem of being I don't I am not worthy of of being served I am not worthy of the love that Jesus shows in this verse and so um it's yeah I just wanted to give her a little bit of a shout out because <laughs> way to go mom she's so good at that very good. Oh, and mom grabbed like, that mic first. Yeah. We wanted it at the same time, but thank you, sweetheart. Um, I did read this ahead, so I got a little bit of uh, my thoughts, um, you know, thought out this week. But um, going back to identity, there is an identity crisis right now, especially in our youth. And um, another piece of that, my kids, you know, hear me all the time saying how much I love them and their father loves them and God loves them. But if they don't, if they're believing lies, then they can't even fathom what love is, not only mine, but the Lord's. And so, you know, in, in verse two, it's talking about mm. the devil already having already put in the heart of Judas and the passion says deeply embedded and I grew up in a church where if you became a Christian, you Satan couldn't touch you. You were untouchable. But Judas was a disciple. He was walking with the Lord, literally right there in flesh, and could ask Jesus anything. This proves that we have to be very, very vigilant and focused on protecting our minds against so Satan good. coming in and making us fire out of control with those lies. And I, when you believing those lies you can't fathom what love is and, so and, and how to live it out in your own life and then you can't live out your purpose the very next verse talks about jesus knowing his purpose from god if we don't understand god's love and we can't and we're believing lies then we we can't live out our purpose 
Love it. You guys are putting all the pieces together, and I'm absolutely having a blast in this. Um, listen, if we don't understand that we're worthy and that he has forgiven us and that he loves us so much that he would set an example, and the example was that he knew who he was in Christ and that his whole heart on that, or he knew who he was in the Father's eyes. That's Jesus, he, our role model, our hero, right, Jesus? He knew who he was in the Father's mind. And because of that, he knew and could go forward in what he was called to, which hopefully will stir in us a desire to have everything that he has for us. But understanding that um, maybe you and I would not receive this had he not humbled himself to the lowest position. Because it's super easy for each one of us to go, oh, well, of course they see that. They're, they're the president. Oh, of course they see that. They're the CEO. Oh, of course they think that, that because they're the, the senior lead pastor. Of course they see that. But when somebody stoops down and voluntarily makes themselves lower than you and does something, how much more does that open your heart? And church, we have a king of kings and lord of lords who was willing to put on um, take off his outer garments, put on the, the cloth, and wash the grimy, dirty feet off of these disciples. And I just want to submit this to you, that maybe your feet aren't dirty, but maybe there's some area in your life that needs cleaned. And guess what? You don't have to do it on your own. Jesus says, I want to come. I want to stoop down, and I want to wash that out of your life or off of your life. But we have to go to him. The problem is we like to do this on our own. A couple people online said the reason it's hard to, to, to receive is because I believe it's a burden on somebody else. Again, remember this. Maybe this will change your paradigm or, or keep you thinking about it differently. If you allow somebody else to serve, you're actually giving them a blessing because they are getting to be obedient to what the Lord told them to do. So if somebody says, can I do this for you? Your first answer should be, does that make people feel uncomfortable? Because I think all, most of our answers is no. But if somebody comes and says, hey, I would like to do this for you, you're going to say, <laughs> let's do it a little louder. With a little more like, I agree with this. I think this is the way to go. Um, if somebody comes and says, I would like to do this for you, your answer is going to be, yes. okay. I would love to hear some testimonies of how that goes. Somebody else put, serving the server has control. Being served, we have no control. We are submitting. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. So good. So good. Okay, I want to transition. Um, oh, we got, okay, go ahead. I just wanted to speak on the identity. Yes. My name is Sandra. And um, <clears throat> I see my identity as a disciple of Jesus, a follower mm -hmm. of Christ. And J Jesus was very aware that evil was present and that his crucifixion was coming, but he still focused on cleansing his disciples, and he did it as an example. And I think the cleansing was symbolic of what was to come, and that's the cleansing blood of Jesus through mm -hmm. his, his sacrifice. And he did it as an example for his disciples, his followers. And he commissioned them to do the same thing, to offer the cleansing of salvation to others as a servant, as a follower, as a disciple of Christ. Love it. And what a great transition into what I want to talk about next. Uh, in light of time, I'm not going to read it again, but here's what I'd like to do. Think about this story 
And now I want you to think about it through the filter of our engage pillar. Our engage pillar says this, that we are to engage with God and then we are to engage with one another. Now, I would submit my last thought in regards to the identify pillar, and that is this. You don't have an identity or you're gonna struggle to find your identity if you don't accept Jesus. If you don't accept him into your heart and if you don't accept the fact that he wants to serve you. We live in a world that has an identity crisis, absolutely. I think you can easily see, and I think most of you would agree, and please lift your hand if you don't agree, but part of the problem with this world is that there are people out there seeking their identity, but they can't find anything concrete because the only concrete foundational identity that you and I can get is from the one that created us. And that is God our Father, Jesus his Son, and the Holy Spirit. They created us each and every one of us. And so if you're trying to get your identity from anything other than Jesus Christ, you're gonna be building a foundation on sand that will be shaken and crumble when trials come. But when you build it on Jesus Christ, there's a strength that comes to that. All right, switching to the engage pillar. Taking that understanding, and, and many of you have kind of talked about this, and we've kind of kind of jumped into this a little bit, but how does this story speak to you in regards to engaging with him and then engaging with one another? Uh, Melania, you brought up, and the first thing that jumped out of my mind for this, and as you're mulling and thinking about this to answer, I will just submit that the thing that jumped into my heart was that Jesus served the one that was going to betray him knowing that he was going to betray him. Knowing that not only was he going to betray him, but he was going to actually walk up to him and kiss him on the cheek and betray him in, a la- uh, in an act of friendship and love. Can you even imagine that? And maybe some of you can because you've had people that have hurt you. How do we deal with that in this and the fact that Jesus a little bit later says, go and do likewise? I struggle with this, but here's what the word says, and it ties into what we've been talking about Romans 14, what we talked about last week in loving our enemies. Uh, Maybe God is trying to get us to understand something. In order to be effective in a lost and hurting world, maybe we need to actually flip our paradigm and our kingdom upside down, and maybe we need to start applying some of what God is asking us to do, and I get it. It's difficult and it's hard, but here's what I would ask. How do we engage with God, and how do we engage with one another according to this story? What comes to mind? DJ? Uh, I'm Ben, and I think a lot of people touched on it, but it's the humility factor on both ends of it, I think. Uh, Not only did Jesus humble himself um, when he washed Peter's feet, but Peter ended up having to somewhat humble himself to allow Jesus to wash his feet. So, and I think the Bible talks about it all the time uh, in James, you know, it's God gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud. Mm. Um, Where I think, man, we gotta be in check when we're engaging with Christ, coming before him in humility, realizing everything we have is from him. Uh, And then when we're engaging with each other, uh, the same thing, we should, if if both of us are uh, humbling ourselves, that's gonna be a, a lot better interaction than it is if one of us is coming in with a lot of pride. So just keeping the, the thought of humility on the forefront of our mind, I think, so. That's good. 
The trick with humility is as soon as you get it, you lost it, right? I'm the most humble man there is. Whoop, it's gone. Yeah. Um, I'm Lauren, and as I was reading this, what jumped down at me was verse 3 that Justin mentioned. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so he got up. And um, mm. I think in our culture, in our, like, humanity, it's so natural for us to um, perceive our value based on the way that other people perceive our value and how they respond to us and how they receive our love or friendship or service or whatever it is, right? Um, and if Jesus had been in that place, then he wouldn't have been free to serve Judas and to love Judas mm. um, because there's no justice in that, right? Um, but Jesus's value wasn't coming from Jesus's <gasps> response. Um, so Judas wasn't going to receive it. He w it wasn't going to change anything. And yet, because Jesus knew who he was, and he knew that he belonged to the Father, and he was going to the Father, he'd come from him, it, he was free. There was a freedom to live out of that. And um, good. I think in our lives, I mean, for me as a mom, like I, yeah, we serve like all the time. There's not a lot of accolades um, I think my kids love me, but like, you know, they don't always like show you by like doing the things you say. Um, and so that can be demoralizing in moments where you can feel like I have less dignity because all I do is like serve. Right. But what Jesus shows us is he gets this dignity and this identity and this place of rest from the Lord. And out of that, he can serve anyone. Love he it. can That's love so good. anyone. That's so good. I, I put in my notes. Jesus knew the hour had come because of the connection to the Father, so he knew what the Father was telling him to do. And then immediately in verse 3 to 5, he changes. He knew all things were put under him, and his first act was to serve. This is where I think we might have it a little wrong. Um, we grab a hold of our identity and what God is saying about us, and our first act is to proclaim it. Yes, um, this is what God showed me. This is what God had told me to do. This is, and, and instead of actually humbling ourselves um, and, and serving, we, we step out into things and say, hey, no, this is what God told me, so you need to respect that. And, um, now, what if we got into a place where we actually humbly served out of what God has told us? Because then it gives us the power because we're not getting anything from what anybody else says. We're getting it solely because God has downloaded it to us. And we realize, hey, I will scrub toilets um, in order to do what the Lord has put into my heart because that might be the stepping stone to get there. But many of us aren't worry, willing to do that. I'm Tom, and I was looking at the... There's a bath, and then there's feet washing. And I think the bath to me is, as Sandra was saying, being washed in the blood of Jesus and being born of his spirit. And baptism represents that, the death and the resurrection mm -hmm. that happens in that event. And so to quote Jim Carrey, we got the power. <laughs> 
I mean, we do have the power in us, but the issue is then going forward, and all the disciples were born of his spirit. They had the power of him dwelling in them, the love of God. And uh, talk about being humbled. And we look at Jesus, what he did to do that for us. That's so good. And it's an image for us to do the same, but the issue is life and going forward. Your feet, my feet, need to be washed daily. And I think John clarified it in 1 John about confess your sins to one another. Mm -hmm. Confess them to me and you will be cleansed of all unrighteousness. That's the washing of your feet. And then if you want to be healed, confess it to one another. Confess it to one another and be healed. So I think he's talking about an ongoing process of being in a right relationship with God and each other and humbling yourself That's in good. his presence daily and others. Really we really need that other part too. That's good, Tom. Thanks for sharing that. That's so good. Um, online, I just one of the questions, how do we feel? How do we deal with people who are anxious to serve but keep score and accept or expect uh, reciprocation? Um, I, you know what? I don't think Jesus was asking for them to do anything. Uh, he said that you should do it to one another, but he didn't ask them to do it back to them. I, let me just challenge you that I think part of engaging with other people is to understand what God has called you to do and then to go serve and do it without any expectancy of getting anything in return and everybody who's good at that raise your hand oh john Patton's really good no just something <laughs> who i just totally tricked you into that uh I, it, that's good point. very interesting john i'll kind of go along with that um i think a lot of hindrance on being served and serving is we want to know the details we want to know everything that goes along with it and um, Jesus tells Peter, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you, you will understand. And I think that he's not just speaking to Peter there, but all of us. Mm -hmm. um, and it's in that later that we kind of get lost because sometimes that later is not so long and sometimes that later is a long time. Mm. So. Oh, that's good. That's good. You guys are so wise. Love it. That's good stuff. My name is Naomi. I'm just keep coming back to this Judas. I can't imagine how other the other disciples felt about him later. Yeah. They could not forgive him, <laughs> you know. But Jesus forgave yeah. already before he did that. <laughs> I've heard it actually said that um, and, I, and I haven't done the research on this on my own. I just heard it said that when Jesus dips the bread into the sop, that that actually was an act of kind of forgiveness. And, and when somebody would dip with them, it was saying, I'm extending forgiveness to you. So even to the time right before Jesus left the room, Jesus was saying, come on, man. Come on, man. Don't, you know, don't do this. Um, and yet he knew that that was going to happen. And then, yeah, I, the Bible is eerily quiet about what the disciples thought about Judas after that. Um, how, you know, I don't know, how would, how would you process that? It would be difficult, yeah. absolutely. And Jesus also said, the word hate me and they will hate you. So really praying for the persecution, you know, how the world will yes. 
come after them. Yes. You know, so forgiving was so important. I love the fact that both of you always bring this to the world. It's so important to remember, absolutely. Um, I want to ask one more question, and, and we'll wrap up here. Um, in light of engaging, it says the very last verse, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Uh, real quick, and I want everybody to get involved in this one, how many of you in this room would like to be blessed? Almost everybody. I think everybody would like to be blessed. So it's really important to understand the first part of this. Now that you know these things, what are these things? Um, hi, my name is Eli. Um, Eli, by the way, first time here. Thanks for grabbing the mic tonight for this morning. Uh, yeah, I've been kind of wrestling with this this whole time. Um, I guess, and then for this reason, I guess those things are the things that you've learned um, by submitting to Jesus and letting him take control of your life. And also, um, I see that everybody's um, saying you need the humility to do that, but you also need the courage to do that, um, especially in a world that rejects Jesus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so you have to have the courage to step out into the light and be the light for the world. And then that also allows others to be um, courageous and do the same. Love it. So good. Somebody else, what are these things? Hey, good morning. This is Doug. Um, I think the, um, now that you know these things, to me these things is the idea of servant leadership. And somebody, a friend of mine posted a meme this week on something and it was like uh you know the bible mentions leadership like i don't know six times and servant the idea of servanthood um hundreds of times right so uh that's counter to the world but i've always felt like in a place of business or work or wherever in our communities uh would god you know would god bless you if you do something like servant leadership practice that in your work that's so counter to the world and counter really to some ideas of performance management and things like that. So um, I don't know, I've always looked at this as a really clear picture of servant leadership. And then the interesting question is, would God bless me if I exercise that in the real world? And I, I have seen that he does, you know, I, I don't, you know, as opposed, so I, I counter that against like, you know, kingdom, like uh, building, trying to build, you know, going to business and trying to build up your empire, right? So going in and being a servant, would, would he honor that? Would he bless that? I don't know. Does, does that make sense? It totally does. And matter yeah. of fact, I'm super glad you said that because I think it becomes very relevant for everybody in here that is actually in the marketplace that's not a pastor because um, it, it opens the concept and the idea that if you want to be blessed in your place, these things have to be applied into your workplace. And I would submit to you that he doesn't quantify these things because each one of us are going to be given different understanding of what this looks like for our situation. And so pay very close attention to that because these things 
uh, are, I believe, are very individualized as the Holy Spirit leads. It's why it's so important to grab a hold of Him and stay grafted into Him. Understand who you are in Him, what He's saying. Then you can do these things. I was going to let that brother go if you wanted. Um, I, I see these things simply as re the receiving from others and serving the way he showed us to. Okay, Rece all right. Receiving and then serving. I love doing, a, doing a little bit of both, right? We have to be servants and receive. Yep, that's good. Uh, Miss West, um, I'm so grateful that he said servant leadership. That's been on my heart ever since we started reading this verse. Um, who doesn't find a like someone with humility captivating? And that's, that's what I think is so eye-opening to me about this verse is that um, Christ humbles himself from this, this place where he could put himself in ultimate authority and power where he could say, this is beneath me. Um, I'm not going to wash someone's feet. That's something a servant does. Um, and then yet he comes in and he, and he washes the feet of his uh, disciples and he humbles himself before them. And I can't help but think of, like, if we're called to go and do this, um, and we're called to humble ourselves and then wash the feet of our brothers and sisters that may hate us or may not give us any sort of affirmation afterwards, um, how captivating is that personality, uh, that, that humble personality that... And I'm not saying that I want people to look at me and be captivated by me, but I do want people to see Christ in me. And I do want people to see what God is doing in my life. And if, and if being humble makes people look at me and go, what's, what's different? Well, then that's, that's the hook that I want that's when good. I'm fishing for men. That's good. That's really good. DJ, would you share what you shared last week about, or last night, about the first to step back or... Yes, so um, just a thought was, you know, in reading this, um, the idea that Jesus, I think, is, is saying, I want to be the first domino, you know, and we talked about child, childlike faith and the idea of recognizing we do need something. I think the false definition of servanthood is, I don't need to be served, I can just serve. That's a lie. We all need to receive first. If you're in a marriage, if you're in a friendship, you need to receive, you need to have an intake of love, of honor, of dignity, of value. We all need that. So, so Jesus is saying, I'm not expecting you to be a robot because Peter was like, no, no, I got this. I'm just going to go serve for you and serve you, in fact. And Jesus is like, you don't get it. I'm the first domino. I'm the source of honor and dignity. And until I've actually knelt before you and poured in my honor and dignity and identity to you, you don't have anything to give anybody else. In fact, you're going to multiply a worldly, slave-minded version of servanthood that is empty and dry versus, and I think Jesus was saying, I don't want uh, slave-minded people to serve trying to get something or trying to get somewhere and earn points, which is the, our economy of the world, right? We, we scrub the toilets until we no longer have to. We, we, do, we put up with customers' you know, junk until we no longer eat. It's always until... I can climb out of that, and, and, and I think Jesus is saying, uh, until I only want kings and queens on my team, I don't want slaves serving anybody. I want kings and queens, and the way you become a king and queen is when I kneel before you, when the king of kings 
kneels before you, washes your feet, pours identity into you. Then it's what Dan's been saying. Then we can get up from knowing that all things have been placed under our feet, that the king of kings has served us and daily offers to wash our feet, to serve us, to pour dignity into us. Now all of a sudden, coming back to what Lauren said, now all of a sudden I'm serving somebody else, not because of who they are, but because of who I am. I've heard people say, I don't tip people X percent because of how they served. I tip because of who I am. I think that's what God does with us, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't love us because of who we are. He loves us because of who he is. And that's the ultimate, man, coming back to your hook, whoever, Wes, it's the ultimate attractiveness of I don't need anything, not in a prideful way, but in a God is my source. Like he pours in honor and love to me in a way that, that you can't even imagine. And, and, and out of that, you know, we can humble ourselves and serve. It's mm, good. I'm going to finish by just saying this. Um, it didn't come out, but maybe some of you have thought this. Um, why didn't anybody wash their feet? Seriously. It, this was the custom of, of the time. They were walking in uh, streets that were filled with dust and camel dung and donkey. I mean, their feet were gross, right? And so it was a common practice that when you walked into a room, um, you had your feet washed. That's, that's what you did. The custom was that the lowest of low servants would wash the feet. That was kind of the low guy in the totem pole's job. That's what that servant had to do. Um, but if you think back to this story and you read about it, it says that the disciples said, hey, what should we do for the Passover? And Jesus sends a couple disciples and says, go find this man and he has prepared everything for you. So get the picture. They get this upper room and all that is there is Jesus and the disciples. And they literally get off the street. They go to the upper room and they begin to participate in this meal and I'm not saying thus say the Lord or the Bible says this, but I almost wonder if Jesus is sitting there going, well, let's see what's going to happen here. And so they go, they sit down, they start to eat in the middle of this and, and get this. I believe that every single one of those disciples would have gladly washed Jesus's feet. Yes? Then Peter kind of actually responded that, that way. No, you will never wash my feet. He, he's like, I'm the one that's supposed to be washing your feet, Right? But here's what that would have meant, that if they would have washed Jesus' feet, they would have had to wash then everybody else's feet, which would have culturally said, I am the lowest person in this room. And not a single disciple was willing to do that. And so in the middle of the meal or at the end of the meal, depending on how you translate the word right there, uh, Jesus said, okay, I've got something that I need to teach these guys. And not just these guys, but us, 2,000 years later. And that was this, hey, um, I'm going to voluntarily put myself underneath all of you. I'm going to take the lowest of low. And I think we read those sections of scriptures that says that Jesus humbled himself and became like a servant and, and died on the cross for us. But before he died on the cross, he did this. And this was disgusting. This was I, I mean, people would have looked at him and gone, what are you, this is why Peter replied, no way, no way will you do this because it was a low position. And yet Jesus said, you don't know what I'm doing for you. You're not getting it. And it goes back to what you're saying, Doug. I think that until we get an understanding of this and actually operate in this in church, but also out into the world, 
in our workplaces and begin to serve people the way that Jesus did, being willing to take that lowly position. I, I don't know if the church can be fully effective as the body of Christ that he's called us to be unless we truly get an understanding of this. When we serve, we're attractive to others. But yet there's something about it in our pride that just many times won't let us go there. Uh, it won't let me go there many times. I read a book one time that says if you want to truly know whether you're being a good servant, if you're really serving well, is that when somebody treats you like a servant, you're encouraged by that. Most of us, when somebody treats us like a servant, I'm like, what in the world? I mean, I'm not going to speak to husbands and wives and which one, but if somebody expects the dishes, you to do the dishes, are you okay with that? Or are you like, when are you going to do the dishes? There's the, the nature of a servant to, to do that. It, it's hard. It's a hard thing to do, but yet I believe God is calling us to do that. So here's what we're going to do next week of the Seder. Please, shinechurch.life slash events. If you want to join um, our, our Seder, we'd love to have you be a part of that. You can register and sign up for that. But the following week, we are going to continue uh, talking about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to move it more into a practical, the third pillar, which is empowering. How do we empower one another in light of this? What do we do? What does it look like? How can we actually become what Jesus is asking us to be in regards to serving one another? Jesus said, I want you to do what I have done for you. I want you to do that to one another. How does this look like? How does it manifest? What does it practically look like inside of the church? I want you to start thinking about that. We actually need your input and insight and help because here's the truth. Most churches, I've been in, in church ministry for over 25 years, most churches when they ask for a call for volunteers, they do it one, in two, one of two ways. They either pay their volunteers or number two, they bring up some little kid that tells you how important what God is doing in their life and makes you cry and makes you feel guilty for not serving and then all of a sudden you go sign up for a kids ministry or, or nursery or whatever ministry it is and the churches have become very good at actually kind of guilting you and I had one guy come up to me last night and said hey you know uh, this is how our church would do it that the pastor would come out and go hey I've been praying and I think you'd be really good in our nursery ministry why don't you pray about it this week and get back to me I you know almost kind of like I, and I don't think that's the way it's supposed to be but I would love to hear from you what, what your experience has been and what has been effective in regards to really pulling that, that concept of serving one another out and not only here inside of church, but how does it work outside in the world? How do we as the church begin to actually corporately come together and become effective in serving our hurting world? And so be contemplating and thinking about that because I believe one of the keys is we have to empower each other in it. And um, I just would love to hear your thoughts and collaborate with you guys on what this looks like and, and how, that, how that manifests. So be thinking practically, how does this get applied to me today, here and now, for not only our church, but our world? Um, and so, Lord, we thank you so much for this, this example that you set before us uh, with you washing the disciples' feet. God, I thank you that you love us so much that you would humble yourself to serve. Lord, help us, first and foremost, be good at receiving it. God, until we receive it, 
I'm fully convinced that we cannot serve the way that you have called us to until we receive your heart for us and, and your service to us. So Lord, help us to embrace that. And then as we engage with that with you, help us to then engage with others and be able to serve others and to do as you have done unto us. And so Lord, I pray that you would practically give every person listening to me right now an understanding of what these things are for them individually. And Lord, I pray that as they go through this week and the next, um, God, that you would lead them into some real practical understanding of how they can serve uh, coworkers, neighbors, family members, uh, their church, whatever it may be that you're speaking to them. May they hear your heart and hear your voice. And then Lord, give us a boldness to step out in what you've called us to do and help us to do it without expecting something back. And so Lord, we thank you again for these words. In your name we pray, amen.